Hey, welcome to the Learning to Lead podcast. I'm Paul Doherty, and I am so honored that you're listening, watching today the podcast. We have several episodes that you'll want to go back and listen to. Great interviews with T.D. Jakes, Chris Hodges, Mike Todd, some of my other friends, uh, Tyler Regan at Catalyst, Daniel Grothy from New Life Church. So make sure you go check those out. But also today, I want to talk to you about a topic that all of us face. I want to talk to you about learning to lead past your fears. Um, learning to lead over your fears. All of us deal with fear. I don't care how awesome or strong or powerful or charismatic or confident you think you are. I guarantee you, I could find something that would scare you. It might be snakes. It might be spiders. It might be, you know, asking you to jump from a high cliff into the water, uh, the fear of the unknown. It could be the fear of death. It could be the fear of failure. It could be the fear of being rejected by people. It could be the fear of being embarrassed in front of everyone. It could be the fear of speaking, getting up and speaking and someone sticking a microphone in front of you and saying, it's your turn to speak. But here's, here's the fear that I would, I would say the majority of us all deal with. And it is the fear of man. It is the fear of what people think about us that oftentimes paralyzes us from making decisions as leaders that we need to make. Decisions that we feel pretty confident about oftentimes can get thwarted by this insecurity of what if I make this decision and it causes some people to be mad at me, causes some people to quit, it causes some people to leave my organization, it causes some people to reject me, and and what if I make the wrong decision in front of the eyes of man? This is what the Bible says. In Proverbs 29, verse 25, it says, The fear of man, fearing people, is a trap for your soul, but trusting in God leads to security. Fearing people is a dangerous trap. That's what the Bible says. In other words, it traps you. It it enslaves you. It makes you feel like you can't move. You can't do anything. Have you ever been there before? Afraid to the point of paralyzation? Analyzing what everyone's thinking? Analyzing what your boss is thinking? Analyzing what the people that you lead are thinking? And just imagining the worst case assumptions like, oh my goodness, they hate me. I'm not a good speaker. I'm not good at this. I might as well quit. And oftentimes, this is what the fear of man does. It paralyzes. It traps. It makes you feel less and less secure about who you are. But trusting in God, that's what the Bible says, that the opposite, the alternative, the way to conquer the fear of man is to shift to the fear of God. In other words, you're not afraid of God, but you care and honor God so much more than you care about impressing people. At the root of the fear of man is pride. It's this desire to look impressive in the eyes of people, to look like we know it all, we're perfect, look at me, I'm succeeding, I made the right decisions, I impressed you. That's what's rooted. Underneath the fear of man is just this desire to be impressive in the eyes of people. But once we conquer that, once we go, you know what? I'm okay. If, if people leave, if people reject me, I would rather please God than be impressive in the eyes of man, being a copycat or being a, a fraidy cat of all the decisions I know I actually needed to make and who God's really called me to be. So let's talk today. How do we shift from fearing people to trusting in God and getting our confidence and our security? For me as a leader, I have dealt with the fear of man often. In fact, right when I started preaching, 
I was so intimidated by what people thought. I was trying to be like my dad because my dad had pastored our church, started our church. When he passed away and went to heaven, I thought, you know, the best I can do is just be an imitation of my dad. I had a pair of my dad's shoes, literally, that my mom had given to me as a memento to remember him. But I took it a step further and I wore his shoes in, in hopes that if I wear my dad's shoes, maybe I'll be accepted by the people in our church. Maybe they'll approve of me. Maybe they'll clap for me. Maybe I'll be more anointed. And I was worse wearing my dad's shoes than I was wearing my own shoes. And, and week after week, finally, someone came up to me and they gave me a new pair of shoes. And they said, Paul, it's time to wear your own shoes. It's time for you to stop trying to be like your dad. It was, you know, the metaphor was it's time to be you. Be comfortable in your own skin. Break free of the fear of man. Trust that who God made you to be, the unique personality that he gave you, trust that that's enough. That you don't have to try and copy someone else's personality to be accepted. That you can be you and that people who may reject you for you being you, it's okay. Let them leave. They're not your God. You don't answer to them at the end of your life. You answer to God. And who God's created you to be is an original, not an imitation. So you be you. All right, so how do we do that? How do we shift from fearing people to trusting in God and being ourselves? I think first we have to recognize what the fear of man is inside of all of our hearts. There was a book that was written years ago by a man named Ed Welch, and the book was called When People Are Big and God is Small. That's a powerful title right there. When People Are Big and God is Small. And he said, here's how you know If fearing man has become an idol in your life, if you have a little bit of the fear of people in your life, and he asked these questions, he said, do you often need something from others? Do you crave compliments? Are you ever afraid you might be exposed as an imposter? Are you overly concerned with how you look, uh, what you weigh, how you're dressed? Do you think about yourself and your self-worth and self-esteem a lot? (laughs) He said, do you often feel painfully unappreciated where you work, where you live with your family members? Do you make excuses for your mistakes and justify bad behavior or shift the blame for your mistakes because you can't handle the thought of failing in front of people? Do you show favoritism towards some in return in hope for a return reward? Are you overcommitted? Do you get easily embarrassed? Do you have a hard time saying no to people? Do you compare yourself to others? Do you feel good when you win and feel envious when others win and you lose? Maybe you even walk out of conversations rehearsing things you've said because you care so much about how you might have appeared in front of those people you were talking to. Maybe you get easily offended when people give you feedback uh, about how you can get better because you care so much about looking perfect in their eyes. When we become that obsessed about all those things, about what people think, we are living in the trap of the fear of man. And today it's time to break free of the trap, to get out of the trap. How do we do it? First, we got to realize that people aren't that big of a deal. I mean, they're very valuable, but when it comes to God and what God's called us to do, I should put it like this. It's not that people aren't that big of a deal. It's people's opinions about us aren't that big of a deal. I know these days you say, Paul, that's not true. People's opinions are everything. Don't you understand Yelp and how people you know, leave reviews and opinions about your podcast and about your YouTube videos and about your restaurants and about your church? And 
and we get obsessed with people's opinions and their reviews. And I get it. Like somehow a part of that, we, we, we learn how we can get better. And there's a, there's definitely some strong merit about learning from people's opinions, how we can get better. But at the end of the day, when we step into eternity, we will not answer to the reviews on Google about whether we obeyed what God asked us to do or not. We will not answer the reviews on Yelp or on iTunes podcast or on the YouTube channel. We are, we're not going to answer to those people. We're going to answer to God. And this is what the Bible says. In Psalm 62, 9, it says, Men and women are a vapor. No matter how high or low they are in a position, they are but a vapor. So the psalmist asked this question, why trust in a vapor when you can trust in the creator of the cosmos? I, I agree that people's opinions can help us, but they should not control us, and they should not control the decisions we make as leaders. Jeremiah 17 says this, Cursed is the man who has put all of his trust and his hope in other men and women. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. He is like a tree with water and leaves that remain green and bear fruit. Isn't it amazing that really we can either bear fruit and grow and be productive by trusting in God, or we can put our trust in man and wilt away. And oftentimes, this is what we do. We end up trusting in man. We think somehow that's going to make us stronger. And it's not. It's killing the productivity. It's killing the freshness, the greenness, the originality. And what happens is people will kind of, they'll get so excited to break free of the people's opinions in their life unintentionally. Instead of like getting in a balanced place, they'll run to one ditch or the other ditch, right? They'll run to this ditch of, I don't care what anybody thinks. I don't care what my parents think. I'm going to be who I want to be. I don't even care what God thinks. And that's what happens. They stop caring what God thinks because they just get this such freedom of, I'm going to break free of the fear of man to the point where I'm not going to care what anyone tells me. I'm not even going to care what God wants me to be. And they fall into this ditch, and then they start trying to define their sexuality, their gender. I'm going to be whoever I want to be, and you can't tell me who I'm going to be, and I get to decide everything about my life. And that's not freedom. That's slavery to your flesh. That's slavery to just letting your flesh desires uh, take the front seat over what God wants for your life. Other people are, are in this ditch of they care so much what people think, they're afraid to make any decisions for their life. God wants us in the middle. He wants us to be free of the opinions of man, but not in the ditch where we stop listening to the people who really care about us, like mentors and pastors and people that can speak life into us, but especially be in the balance of hearing God's voice and being surrendered and submitted to God's voice. So how do we do that? We Number one, we renew our mind to God's word. Man, we allow God's word to become the main thing in our life. We allow God's word to drive our self-worth and our value. We stop staking our, our self-worth and how many likes we got on Instagram, how many followers we have on Twitter, how many friends we have on Facebook. We start finding our confidence in God's word. We start seeing ourselves the way God sees us. Ephesians 2.10 says you're a masterpiece. Romans 8 verse 14 says you are children of God, adopted by God. Ephesians 2 goes on to say that you're blessed with spiritual blessings, that your value comes from your Savior. And we have, to, we have to rise to the perception of what God has for us and, and of us 
instead of falling to the perception of maybe what people have for us. Start seeing yourself the way God sees you. Number two, we've got to start trusting completely in God's love and his validation more than people's opinions and approval. There's going to be days where people will sing your praises. But if we live on the compliments of man, we're going to die on the criticism of man. If we stake our validation and our approval and what man thinks about us, man, we're going to be hurt the day that they come and say, you're not that big of a deal. We like this person now. You've been replaced and you're no longer that great. Like that's going to kill us. But man, if we can put our trust completely in God's love and his validation, we can have stable, consistent confidence and walking in our calling, staying in our lane, making the most with our lives and not being paralyzed by the fear of the opinions and the approvals of man. Number three, last point right here. If we're going to shift from fearing people to fearing God and making wise decisions with our life, we're going to have to choose to walk in the fear of the Lord. I love what Paul said in Galatians chapter 1, verse 10. He said, obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I could not be Christ's servant. You hear what Paul's saying? He's saying, obviously, I'm not trying to win your approval. And if I was, I wouldn't even be able to preach to you. I wouldn't even be able to pastor you. I wouldn't even be able to start these churches in Ephesus and Galatia and Corinth and, and Colossia and, and even preach in the places where people say I can't preach in Rome and, and on Mars Hill, right? Paul was saying, I cannot live for your approval because if I live for your approval, I'm going to deny God's calling on my life. I would rather fear God so I can fulfill his calling than fear people and win your approval. Paul was, Paul was unstoppable because he put his fear in the Lord instead of in people. Again, fearing God doesn't mean that you're afraid of God. It means that you honor God's approval and his opinion of your life more than you honor man's opinion of your life. Fearing God doesn't mean I'm scared of God. It means I'm walking in the honor that, man, I want to walk in God's word. I want to live for God's plan on my life more than I want to impress people. And guys, as we're ending today, I want to end with this last little story. There was a little boy named Punchinello who lived in a town called Wemmicksville. And Wemmicksville was a town of all these little Wemmicks. This is a make-believe story by Max Lucado. But Punchinello was surrounded by all these other Wemmicks in Wemmicksville, and the way that they found their worth was with stars or dots. If you did something good, you got a star. If you made a mistake, you got a dot. So every day they would exchange stars or dots. Stars for the people who looked pretty, dots for the people that looked ugly. Stars for the people that were skinny, dots for the people that couldn't control their weight. Stars for these people who did well in school and academics. Stars for the intelligent people, dots for those who got D's and F's and couldn't keep up in their grades. It just drove this whole village in this place of constant roller coaster emotions. One day feeling good, the next day feeling bad. And the sad thing for Punchinello is for some reason, no matter how hard he tried to succeed, he kept failing in the eyes of people. And so he got dots and dots, and then people just started sticking dots on him because he already had so many dots. He didn't even do anything bad. They just put more dots on him because that's what they did in their society and their culture. And so what happened to Punchinello is finally one day he was so overwhelmed by it 
He was just crying. He's exhausted. He meets this girl who has no stars and no dots. And he says, hold on. You're different than everyone in this village. Everyone has either stars or dots, but you don't have either. And she said, I can tell you why, Punchinello. She said, I met this man named Eli. He lives on the top of the hill in our village. And she said, he's the one that created all of us Wemmicks. He's the great carpenter. They were like little little wooden people. I hope you're following with me here. So Punchinello says, I want to meet the carpenter. I want to meet our maker. I want to meet Eli. She said, when I met Eli, he started to help me to pull off the dots that people had put on me. She said, I thought that was what was going to make me happy. She said, but then I went outside and I started succeeding and people put stars on me and made me feel good. She said, I went back to Eli and he even peeled off the stars. She said, I've now gotten to the point where no matter what people stick on me, it won't stay because I know whose I am so I know who I am. So Punchinello went with Lucy to go find Eli at the top of the hill in Wemmicksville and Punchinello meets Eli and he's you know showing him all of his dots and Eli one by one begins to peel off the dots and tell Punchinello you are special not because of how talented you are not because of how educated you are not because of how skinny you are or how handsome you look in the eyes of people or how impressive you appear you are special because you are mine. And every single day, Punchinello would leave the carpenter's shop, leave Eli's house. People would put dots on him and stars, and Punchinello would go back to Eli, and Eli would peel them off to the point where one day, Punchinello was outside, and people were trying to place dots and stars on him, and they wouldn't stick because Punchinello had gotten so validated and found so much approval in the eyes of Eli that it no longer mattered what the other opinions were of other people. That's God's plan for you and for me. That we wouldn't care so much about the comments on YouTube or the reviews on podcasts or the ratings of what people think about us, the likes on Instagram and the retweets and the likes on Twitter and Facebook and the friends and followers. That at the end of the day, we would find our self-worth and our confidence and our self-value and what God thinks about us not in what man thinks about us. So Lord, I pray for those that are listening today and watching today. And God, I just pray that you would show them they are special because you love them and you're for them and you're with them. And they're special not because of what they've done. They're special because of whose they are. They are your children. And God, you've put uniqueness inside them. So Lord, I pray that you set them free, set us free from the fear of man and what people think about us. Lord, help us to be more focused on your opinion of us, that we are your masterpiece created to be like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, stay tuned for more podcasts. We love you so much. God bless you.